Hi, I am so happy you're here. I'm Yana Belter, wife, mom, recovering overachiever, Enneagram One, coaching enthusiast, and executive director of Integer Network. Integer is an international coaching network that believes in creating communities where people can live with more authenticity, connection, and wholeness. Our wonderful team of coaches use the coaching modality in all kinds of ways to help empower people to discover what they already carry inside them and gift the world with their true selves. Our work is messy and beautiful and so very rewarding. This podcast is a space for us to basically just talk about our favorite topic with some of our favorite people. If you hang around, you'll get lots of raw feelings and thoughts, unpacking of what coaching is and why we love it, a million testimonials of how it's changed lives, and ultimately a journey of continuously exploring what it looks like when we allow ourselves to unravel and become who we are without all the pretense of a finished product. Today's episode is a great interview with authors Eddie Hammett and Randy Pierce. Join us as they share about the impact of coaching and how it led to the writing of their book. It is such a privilege to be here tonight with Randy Pierce and Eddie Hammett, and I'm joined with my colleague, Brian Harfst, who's also the country director for Integer Network. And we're just here to have a conversation about coaching, the value of coaching, and of course, the incredible book that Eddie and Randy have published together, which we'll invite them to tell you more about. Brian has read it. I have not. And we've done it intentionally because we want this conversation to be both from the perspective of someone who can draw the content from you, but also as someone who wants to know why should I read this book and what is in there for me specifically as a leader. So we'll just do a really quick round of introductions so everybody listening knows who we are. My name is Jana Belter. I am the executive director of Integer Network, which is an international coaching network. We highly value authenticity, connection, and wholeness, and believe that coaching is a wonderful, impactful modality to change people's lives, to help them get unstuck, and to discover what's truly inside them. I am Brian Harfst. I am the USA Country Director for Integer Network. Also, in my daytime job, I am an equipping pastor at Centerville Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, in the southeastern corner of the state of Virginia in the United States. It is my pleasure to be here today, and it is my honor to introduce and interview Eddie Hammett, who was my first teacher in coaching and my first mentor coach. And what a privilege to have you, Eddie, because you unlocked this gift and gave a language and framework for this craft that has inspired me and led me in all walks of life for the last decade. And I see it leading me for the rest of my life. And so, Eddie, it is it is my distinct pleasure to be with you today. Thank you. I, I appreciate those words. And I've been coaching probably 30 years now. Uh, I'm a master certified coach through the International Coach Federation. I have worked in denominational life. I've worked in church life. Now I coach entrepreneurs and Uh, I've got two attorneys and three new start entrepreneurs right now and am moving in a few weeks and going to become a coach in residence at a senior adult living community. So I'm excited about those opportunities. For me, coaching is the most transformative thing I have ever been taught to do. I have consulted. I have written books. I have been in the pulpit. I have been in all kinds of teaching formats, but 
there's no comparison. <laughs> Coaching brings about transformation more quickly, more effectively than any skill tool I've ever been offered to use. So I'm delighted to share that with you. I'm delighted to introduce my friend, Randy. We've known each other now about 30 years, and I have seen more transformation of heart and head and skill in Randy as a coachee who is now a coach himself that I've seen in most people that I've been around in 30 years. So I'm delighted to be here with you. Wow, that's, that's a lot to follow. I am <laughs> thrilled to be here. My name is Randy Pierce, and I am living proof that coaching works and one person can make a difference. My day job, I work in high tech. So I've been in, in and out of computer software most of my life, and I get to work with people at my current company to help them sell more, be more productive, but really my heart and soul is around personal transformation and that personal transformation can blossom in your professional world, in your home life, and have a ripple effect everywhere. So I'm currently based in Boston. And when I met Eddie, I lived down in North Carolina and I'm thrilled to be here today as well. So we are brought together today on the premise of talking about your newest book, Making Shifts in Waves of Change, a Coach Approach to Soulful Leadership. What a mouthful. I've read the book and it is so rich with insights about leadership, change, and the coach approach. But like good coaches, we'll take the book and some of the premises there and, and just dance in the moment and see where this leads us. One of my favorite parts of the book was at the very end, where you two demonstrate coaching and you record coaching each other and put on display what coaching could look like. And it's it's good because it gives in a verbatim form a small coach conversation, but it also opens up the curtain a little bit on your relationship and, and your hearts. I'm wondering, Randy and Eddie, if either or both of you would like to take a few minutes and talk about what you would want others to know from your story, from your journey, maybe your relationship together, but certainly your journey over these past 30 years. I'll take it first, Randy. Uh, it was not something I planned for. It's something I fell into. And I did not have coaching skills except on a preliminary way. I, I knew about coaching, but I certainly was not a highly skilled, trained coach at the time. But as any good coach will do, you, you look for people that are coachable and are ready to be coached. And Randy and I were having coffee one morning at a local restaurant when he lived in North Carolina. And what came out of his mouth was just a lot of pain. And we had, had, we had shared a lot of coffee breaks before and gotten to trust one another a little bit. And the phrase came out, I'm ready to move from pain to purpose. Can you help me? Well, that was the open door. And that was the opportunity to say, so what would that look like for you as a good coach would do? And, and he helped me frame that. And we continued to dialogue by phone, got get together over meals, 
continued to have coffee together. And the more we did that, the more the trust grew, the more my skill set grew, the more my ears became more attuned to who he was, and I could see his heart. But I also knew his head was getting in the way of his heart as we talked. And he, he was so invigorated by the conversations that we had and so moved that it told me that he was an open person and that he was worth the investment. And as I've said to you before, Brian, none of my books would have ever been written, I've authored nine books, if I had not met Randy. Because those books were my way of journaling to make sense out of his mess and my mess and listening to him because I didn't know where to go. And so I'm, I'm a journaler by nature and my journals turned into books and Randy and I've shared many platforms together over the years now to share this story. But the thing that continued to intrigue me and motivate me was his willingness to face his pain walk through his pain and find some new skill set to lead him to victory. The other thing I heard in y'all's story that came up several times was the word mess and messy and pain. And there was a quote from the book and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, that that chaos is not just chaos, that chaos can be fertile ground for growth and creativity and you talked about moving from pain to purpose. And just listening to that story, I mean, pain and mess is, is hard. There's no getting around that. We don't like chaos, but chaos can be fertile ground for creativity and growth. And I hear that in your story. So, well, in pain, pain becomes a teacher. You, you can't run away from pain. You have to learn to embrace pain. And then that propels you into growth. Pain is just a teacher, and somehow we have let chaos and pain become negative in the journey, and it's really the propels the, the propellers to move us forward. In the book, we talk about chaos before harmony. I always look at the group and the team and say, yep, this is the chaos before the harmony. It's going to happen. We're, we're going to get there. And it's just a great way to reframe the situation because, as Eddie said, a lot of people have angst and their anxiety is really high during the chaos. And if you can look at it as this is just part of the collaboration, it can, it can perfect example of looking at, at it through a different lens. Well, and it also accentuates here the difference between transition and change. Transition is an emotional thing. It's a, it's a personal thing. Uh, they move in my desk to a place I don't want them to move it. That's transition. Change happens, and it's a, it's a transformational thing uh, where the heart has to make the decision. And that's where the coach approach and the soulful leadership approach really taps into that to say it's not just about moving the desk. It's what made that desk important to you in that spot and recover that memory, that emotional memory, if you will, and begin to coach around those factors of change, transition, and transformation. And usually when you do that, if the person or group is coachable and ready, that new transformation of understanding blooms 
right before your eyes and the anxiety subsides, the interest goes up and the movement goes forward. It, it's just, it's, it's quite amazing. And that's really where the change plus the transition equals revolutionary transformation comes from. Yep. Because for me, the transformation is when you've embraced it and you're starting the new behavior. Yep. And old Randy would go through all this change and transition. But for me and my conversations with Eddie, I knew that the transformation was really sticking when my actions were, were showing it and proving it, that I was really starting to walk and talk in a different way. I think so much of that reframing for me happened when I realized that hard and bad are not the same things. We often live in that idea that if something's hard, it's bad. It's not, it's a negative, you know, the, the chaos, it's messy, it's not good. But just shifting that to it's, that's not the same thing as bad. It, it can be good. It might not be comfortable, but it usually <laughs> is the thing that moves us when we need to be moved. And that's really what I've found coaching to be so powerful. And it kind of, it kind of lets you lean into the uncomfortable a little bit and then gets that action going that really gets you unstuck and start feeling the rewards of doing the work. Um, but I also wanted to ask Eddie, you mentioned the coach approach and soulful leadership, and it's part of your tagline on your book. And so as someone who hasn't read the book yet, and as a young leader of a young organization, that concept immediately jumps out to me and I'm going, okay, I, I obviously like coaching. I'm a fan of coaching and the idea of a soulful leadership, you know, not your traditional top down leadership style speaks to me. So I was wondering if you could unpack that concept a bit, especially in the eyes of why would that be something that I need to read? How would it impact me as a leader? What would that do to my organization? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I think the term for us, and Randy, you jump in here, but the soulful leadership <clears throat> comes from the heart. And it helps you understand what's typically going on in your mind or your behavior and being able to connect the dots, whether they're dots of confusion or frustration or anxiety. I typically ask my clients, so what's your heart telling you about this? Hmm. No, go to your mind. And if I if they start saying something, well, I think, no, nope. I want you to go to your heart. What does your heart say about this? Well, I see. No, I want you to go to your heart. Shut your mouth, shut your eyes and go to your heart and then tell me what's there. And if I can ever get them to go down that funnel and go into the heart, that's where authenticity happens. And that's where transformation of thought, anxiety, behavior, all of those things begin to gestate in the heart. And the heart knows all. <laughs> and that's where when you tap into that and make connections that are appropriate to the anxiety or whatever we're living through, that's when the openness to the new happens. Because as long as you're fighting the pain or the chaos or the anxiety, you'll never find the new. And I didn't even know what head and heart integration meant. Yeah. So... I, I it, it's it's funny. I have friends that are reading the book now and they come back to me and they've asked me about acrostics. They've asked me about head and heart integration. Uh, they've asked me about 
what it really takes to have downtime because you got to slow down to get to your heart and let your heart talk to you. And I didn't want to be left alone. I didn't like who I was. I was used to being stuck in the busyness of life. And I can remember when Eddie would say, I want you to go home and just turn everything off. Now, this is before an iPhone and apps and all that stuff. I think it's even more challenging today to yeah. slow down and get away from all those social channels. But I can remember I wanted to go through the mail. I wanted to return phone calls. I wanted to watch TV. I wanted to do anything except be left alone. And I remember I started having these conversations with Eddie about just sitting in my chair and I, I said, I'm taking an air bath. I'm just going to sit mm. here. And the first couple of times, sitting there for five or 10 minutes was driving me crazy. And it felt like an hour. So to get, and to, for me to even understand what that head and heart integration meant, I really had to slow down. And that was very challenging for me early on. Now all my friends make fun of me because I never want to go anywhere. <laughs> but that that's a big shift over many, many, many years. And that really feels so counterproductive to what, you know, the culture, especially within a leadership role is telling me, wait, I should stop, do less. I'm going to know more then. I don't have time to stop and do less, but it, that really is also what coaching does. You know, we, yep. we talk about it often as an organization, how if we're preaching to people the value of coaching, then we should also be blocking out time in our days and our weeks to be coached. And it feels like this extra thing, like, no, but like, I know it works. It's fine. Like I'm too busy for this. But when we do prioritize it, the impact is instantly felt. And so if we do prioritize slowing down, we could actually get to that heart part, which is where you were saying the authenticity lies. And, and that's, yeah. you know, what we're all actually seeking out the place to truly live from who we are. That's what we're fighting against in society nonstop. You slow down to speed up. Mm -hmm. You can't speed up unless you slow down. And, and the other thing that slowing down helps is you find a focus. Your right. heart leads you to the focus. Your mind leads you through the chaos. Your heart leads you to the focus. Oh, that's so good. And, and so many people are living in chaos because there's stimulation from every dimension of life, home, cell phone, computer, boss, everything. But when you go to your heart, that's a quiet place and the focus just comes clear. I always say that the space of coaching is like being in a space where you can actually hear yourself think, but yeah. maybe it's more accurately where you can hear your heart because it feels like when I'm functioning in my day, all of those voices, you actually lose your own voice in it. It gets drowned out you enter that coaching space and all the coach is doing is reflecting back to you and asking questions that forces you to look inside. And suddenly it's like, I can hear myself again, or rather I'm in touch with that part of my heart. That's actually bringing the focus. Yeah. I often talk about coaching as a safe and sacred spot. Mm -hmm. And I, I've got some of my business clients who one comes to mind who started four businesses in the last 20 years and he, he'll call me for an appointment and I'll say, so what do we need to do today? Just stay on the phone with me just about 10 minutes. 
well, what do we need to talk about? Nothing. Just stay on the phone with me mm-hmm. about 10 minutes. And what I learned, that's a safe and sacred space for him. And that pregnant pause of that phone call is exactly what he needs to go down into his heart. And about 10 minutes later, he'll say, well, I think I found it. I'll say, what did you find? Well, I found it. I'll call you back later. Thanks. (laughs) Wow. That's so powerful. What a powerful testimony to coaching and and the space it can provide. I just, I want to add my voice. I don't know if I'm just my own testimony Eddie, when you coached me, you asked me that get out of your head, get into your art question. And I'll tell you, first of all, I was pissed off. You know, you could. (laughs) And then secondly, it started to transform me. And I say, yes, 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 yes. And that can really save you, too, because for me, if I couldn't get out of my head and I couldn't integrate head and heart, that's when old patterns and behaviors would want to bubble up. And that's when old Randy would want to sabotage because I have huge issues with anger and resentment. It took years and years and years. I mean, I was in therapy. I worked with Eddie as a coach. It took me a long time to wrap myself around resentment. We're all products of our childhood. My mom passed away at a very young age. I lost her to cancer. And I found out that that emotional and physical abandonment that the little four-year-old went through had a lot to do with the lens that I looked at life through, which wasn't a very accurate, healthy lens. So for me, that head and heart integration is what fuels the new me that I want to thrive. And it's just very, very powerful. And it's a it's terminology that not everyone knows. A lot of people, if you say head and heart integration, they'll look at you like you're a little strange. And they still look at me that way. But <laughs> one of the things this illustrates that we don't need to miss is the practice of perseverance and coaching mm-hmm. for the client and the coach. I'm listening and participating here in a 30-year circle with Randy. It's one of those divine appointments we talk about and one of those teachable moments where the perseverance of pushing through the pain, pushing through the frustration, pushing through the fear, pushing through, you know, pushing through all of that is what brings us to this point of celebration. And now Randy will call and we'll coach around business issues, not personal issues. And it's it's just such a relief and such an energizing thing to see a person who I know from whence he came mm-hmm. to being an executive in computer industry now and how he got there. And it proves that those stair steps of coaching work if you persevere and follow the process. I can't help but wonder whether you guys hold some kind of record for the longest coaching relationship. I mean, 30 years is pretty up there. I never thought well, about that. No. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's quite amazing. I know some other mentor coaches that I've worked with that have long-term relationships with clients. And it, we we all 
would verify that the, the perseverance factor is real and the discomfort factor is real. Yeah. Uh, Marsha Reynolds is, is one of my mentor coaches now and wrote a book on di- the discomfort zone, really good coaching book. And that applies to the coach and it applies to the client. <laughs> we all find our discomfort zone and that's why I wrote all these books, because I was uncomfortable with what was going on. And I was trying to find my heart and all of that chaos. And writing was the way I did that. That's amazing. I like that that's where the concept of coach approach also comes in, because when you talk about an approach to something, it's really about adopting it as a lifestyle, right? So you're not necessarily always going to have the opportunity or the connection to walk with someone for 30 years. But if you can impart that coach approach perspective of life and, you know, your, your challenges and emotions, that's really where the gold lies in equipping people to have that impact for their whole lives. Well, and speaking to that, the coach approach and the ongoing kind of generative nature of coaching is Randy, you were talking about this earlier today. And I know for my own sake, I'd, I'd be on a coaching call with Eddie and it would be an okay coaching call. And then I'd get off the call and 24 hours later, the aha moment would come and it would lock in. And and even today, there are aha moments and things that are still being generated from those coaching calls with Eddie. That's when you know you've had a good coach. Yeah. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but that's the characteristic of a great coaching session. When the client picks up, lays down the phone or gets off a Zoom and a week or two or a month or two or a year or two later, that truth comes back to the heart. Yeah. Eddie, you used to always say the magic happens after the coaching call, after the coaching call. And Eddie and I, there's so many times we would lock in on things. Like this is a landmark occasion for me and Eddie today. It's a celebration. We're here. We get to talk to people about the book that we love. And to me, there's nothing more fun than talking about the journey you've been on and sharing it with others. But we also talked about landmines. You know, I had a lot of landmarks, things to celebrate, but I messed up a lot. And there are a lot of landmines. We'd have conversations around, okay, you hit that landmine this time. What are you going to do next time to not step on it again? So the head and heart integration, the landmarks, the landmines, the old Randy, the new Randy, we just bridges and barriers, all the language we've used, we've got in the book. And the coach approach to soulful leadership is a subtitle that just sort of came out one day while Eddie and I were chatting and we're like, that's got to be the subtitle of the book because Even in my job today, we talk about servant leadership, we talk about compassionate leadership, we talk about soulful leadership, and it's all about this accountability and and integrity and authenticity. I, I love that I'm at a company now to where emotional intelligence is really high at where I work, and we have these conversations. They've really embraced the book I've written with Eddie, and I'm seeing the thirst and the hunger for this type of conversation. It's everywhere now. Churches, nonprofits, for-profit, charities, it's just everywhere now. Yeah, definitely. And and there are all these shifts happening in the way we 
want to be more self-aware and want to do better in these environments, um, which leads me to my next question. I would love for you to unpack a little bit. What does the coach approach look like in an organization specifically if change is involved, right? So we're always hit with these new things and we constantly have to think on our feet and adapt. You know, COVID's a great example of that. But if I wanted to apply a coach approach to my organization specifically within change, what can you offer me in that regard? Yeah, creating a coaching culture is what we call that. And you you have to have the management and the decision makers coached first. Hmm. If they, if they do not understand and embrace the concepts and the principles between the coach approach and their own lives, it'll never permeate the system. And that's huge because in my world, so many people aren't good coaches. They are in a telling posture. Right. You know, all they do is tell. They want to tell. It's hard to put on a coaching hat. Some people just can't do it, in my opinion. It does, it does come, you know, unnaturally to a lot of us to, to speak less and ask more and listen and not come from a place of giving instructions. So what I'm hearing you say is that really a coaching culture can't happen in organization until the people in leadership positions aren't embracing first kind of doing the work themselves. It's a very personal thing first within the leadership, which is going to trickle down. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Eddie. Transformation of heart. And when the leaders have that transformation, then the system can have that transformation. (laughs) Mm. And it's something really easy to talk about. Like all these executives say, yeah, we're going to go do that. Sounds great. It's another thing to really step inside of that chaos and change the culture. Right. I mean, it asks you to be authentic and vulnerable. And those things are really not easy, specifically if you feel the responsibility of leading, you know, people under you, you want to seem strong and well put together. But really, the shift that's happening is understanding that the opposite is true. The more real we show up, the better we can lead those around us. And showing up as coach is probably the biggest challenge most coaches have. They show up as the advice giver or the boss or the pastor or the CEO. That's the way they want to show up, the authoritative voice. But from a coach approach, and this is why I did my master certified training, the coach approach from an ICF perspective is about showing up as a coaching presence, which means you're fully tuned in, (laughs) everything else is tuned out, no distractions, no knocks on the doors, no email checks. You're fully present. You're listening four levels deep, which requires a lot of tuning of your ear and your uh, thought processes. And then the other part of showing up and being fully present is that it's all about the client. It's not about you or your expertise anymore. You don't have to fix anybody anymore from a coach approach. You just simply walk with them. As Randy said earlier, you take people where they are and you move them to where they're ready to go when they're ready to get there. Mm. And that's the biggest challenge most new coaches have. And even semi-experienced coaches is showing up with that mindset of a coach 
rather than that of an authority. Um, I wonder, uh, as many coaches uh, do at the end of a coaching conversation, uh, what what might be one takeaway you're walking away with today? The process Randy? works. Okay. Yeah, the process works and... I'm at a point in my life to where I want to give back more and new Randy wants to evangelize and let people know that the process works. Amazing. Well, my takeaway is definitely that there's a book I need to put at the top of my reading list. And I really want to encourage anyone listening to this to do the same. I think you guys have proven the value of putting in the work, sitting with the uncomfortable and the idea that if I sit with it, not only will my life be transformed, but also the ripple effect of it into my organization, into the lives of those who work with me. It's it's too good to give up. It's it's too big to not be willing to take that time. And the name of that book is Making Shifts in Waves of Change, A Coach Approach to Soulful Leadership. Thank you, Eddie Hammett and James R. Pierce, Randy Pierce. <laughs> Uh, for your book and for this time together. The book goes into a lot of the the spirit and the heart of what we've been talking about today, as well as some really practical tools. You heard Randy talk about those acrostics, lots of models, lots of ways of thinking about coaching and soulful leadership in, in organizations. Again, thank you for your time today. Appreciate both of you allowing us to just peek into the window of your relationship and your journey together and give such a powerful word to this gift, this tool, this craft called coaching that we believe in so much. If this episode is sparking something in you, a desire to dig deeper, to start your own authentic unraveling, you don't have to do it alone. At Instrument Network, we have a whole team of coaches who can walk with you. So reach out or browse our website and let us connect you with a coach who can partner with you on your journey. Thanks for hanging out.